Today, as we continue the series, Race Together, I want to speak to you from this thought. Love wins. Love wins. I had a little problem in the last service with my voice, and so just so a disclaimer, if my voice seems to struggle some, I just flew back uh, yesterday evening from Florida. I was preaching to pastors and church leaders there and preached four times Friday and Saturday, and my voice is rather tired, but I, my voice is tired, but I feel good in my spirit. Amen. And so just so you know that, um, let's pick up reading in Luke chapter 10 today. I want to begin reading in verse number 25. The scripture says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. And a lot of people in our world find themselves just right here. They, they hear what Jesus says, they hear what the Word of God says, and they take a posture of, I want to justify myself. I don't want to fall in line with, with God and with His Word. And so they justify themselves. And so as he responds back to Jesus, he's taking that posture of, I want to justify myself. And so his question to Jesus is this. He asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? The man asked, who is my neighbor? Basically, he wants to know, who am I supposed to love? Because listen, listen, there is no way God wants me to love everyone. There has to be some conditions or some stipulations on who my neighbor is. So, okay, Jesus, uh, uh, with that in, in mind, on, on there has to be some condition on, on who is my neighbor. So, could you respond to that and tell me who's my neighbor and who is not my neighbor. And just like the expert in the law, a lot of people like to have neighbors based on conditions. You're my neighbor unless conditions. And conditions are a very prevailing mentality. You're my neighbor unless you have red skin, yellow skin, brown skin, black skin, white skin. You're my neighbor unless you dress in a way that I don't like. You're my neighbor unless you talk different than me. You're my neighbor unless your child wants to marry my child. You're my neighbor unless you listen to different music than I do. You're my neighbor unless, as, as long as you stay to your kind and I stay to my kind. You're my neighbor as long as my kids and grandkids don't have to go to school with yours. You're my neighbor as long as we don't have to worship together. You're my neighbor as long as you don't shop in my store. On August the 8th of 2014, in New Jersey, the owner of a store, and we have the picture of the store here, the owner of a store, his, the owner's name was Valciano, Valciani, and he said a racial slur to a woman who was walking on the sidewalk by his store. He goes out and he says a racial slur to her and he says, listen, I don't want your kind of walking on the sidewalk that I own and pay taxes on. And the police were notified. 
And during the investigation, Valciani told Woolrich, Woolrich Rich police that he didn't want African Americans, Hispanics, and trashy Caucasian in his store. Who's my neighbor? You're my neighbor unless you move into my neighborhood. In the spring of this year, a black family moved into a neighborhood in the Long Island, New York area. And in May of 2015, they received a racist letter in the mailbox. Here's, here's the letter. Here's the, here's the exact letter that they received in the mailbox. And it says, attention, African-American family. This is coming from Lindenhurst community. Lindenhurst is 84% white population. You don't belong here. Please leave Lindenhurst as soon as you can. It will be better for all of us. Find the town where there are more people like you. Sorry if this is rude, but it's the truth. That is in 2015. Who's my neighbor? And just like the expert in the law, there are obviously people today asking the question, who's my neighbor and who is not my neighbor? People are even asking God this question. God, who do I have to love? God, who's my neighbor? Who's, who's not my neighbor? And, and this question is posed to Jesus, who's my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Who's not my neighbor? And Jesus responds to this question in a very interesting way. He responds with a story. And, and in this story, Jesus says some shocking, draw-dropping truths to this expert in the law. And today I want us to glean some invaluable lessons from the truths that Jesus tells this man in this story. And the story begins in Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. Jesus goes on after the man asks, who's my neighbor? In verse 29, here's the story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. This man was robbed of his dignity. He was beaten. He was abandoned. He was left for dead. And friends, this is exactly what racism and hate does. It strips people of their dignity. It beats people down. Friends, can I submit to you today that nobody controls the color of their skin? Nobody controls where they're born or what family they're born into. And racism simply beats people up. It leaves people feeling dead on the inside and sometimes literally dead on the outside. And verse 31 goes on to say, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Jesus said, this man is laying half dead, and a priest and a Levite walk by this man, and they see him laying half dead on the road, and they actually go by on the other side. They don't want anything to do with this man. And before we judge the priest and the Levite, listen, let's be aware of this, that all of us have a little or a lot of priest and Levi in us. And let's learn some lessons from the priest and Levite. And the first lesson 
that Jesus clearly points out is that the priest and Levite represent prejudice. You see, the path from Jerusalem to Jericho was known for having lots of criminal activity. It was known as a very dangerous road. And the priest and the Levite, no doubt, could just obviously assume that this man could have been involved in criminal activity. I mean, why are you on this road with all this criminal activity anyway? And surely you deserve what you got. And you're beat up, you're half dead. I mean, you don't have a business suit on. You're not looking clean cut. We don't think we want anything to do with you. You're not looking up the par, and no doubt they're, they're, they're prejudiced. They're prejudging this man. You see, prejudice simply means to judge in advance. If you look online, there are definitions about prejudice, and here are two of the definitions you find on the word prejudice. One is an unfavorable opinion or feeling formed beforehand or without knowledge, thought, or reason. A second definition you can find is an attitude, opinion, or assessment formed before a person has experience or reason to form the assessment. And as human beings, we, we have a tendency to prejudge, to make, make assumptions, to stereotype. It happens all the time that people prejudge their prejudice. You hear it all the time. People will say, all black people can dance. I know some that can't. That's not true. People are prejudiced. They, they say black, black people can't swim. I can swim. That's what I want you to know. I can swim. We prejudge. We just prejudice, stereotype. You hear people say all white people play golf. All white people love NASCAR. Prejudge. All Hispanics are good at soccer. All Asians are smart and short. Yao Ming is not short. If you know the seven-foot-four center that used to play for the Houston Rockets, prejudice. You hear people say all Asians know Kung Fu and are kin to Bruce Lee. Ha! It's not true. Prejudice, prejudice, prejudge, prejudge. A person wearing a hoodie is a thug. Prejudice. All black people are in gangs. Prejudice. All white people are mean. I've heard people say they all just want to keep me down. All Middle Eastern people are terrorists. All Hispanics are drug dealers. All Native Americans are addicted to gambling, prejudging, prejudice, prejudging people because of their color or their culture, their skin causes people to walk on the other side of the road. When we prejudge, when we're prejudiced, it stops us from building relationships. It causes division. It causes, it causes disunity. It creates disrespect towards a group of people. And the priest and the Levite, they see a man, he's not clean cut, dressed right, looking right, and they walk on the other side of the road. The priest and the Levite, number two, they represent faith without deeds. The priest and Levite, they see a man who is desperate, in desperate need for help. And they're prejudiced and they just walk on the other side of the road. They do nothing. And when we see people in need, friends, can I tell you, 
You can be spiritual and do nothing, but you can't love Jesus and do nothing. When you see people desperate on the road and you do nothing, you can be spiritual and do nothing, but you cannot follow Jesus and do nothing because real faith in Christ won't allow you to walk on the other side of the road and to pretend like there isn't a problem. You see, genuine faith in Christ compels us to do our part to make a difference, even with complex issues like racism and prejudice and hate. James chapter 2 and verse 17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And I submit to you today that the priest and the Levite that day had a dead faith that would allow them to do nothing about the problem. The priest and the Levite represent inwardness. We know that this road from J- J- Jerusalem to Jericho was, was, was a, a road that was dangerous, and, and no doubt they're prejudging this man, and they may have even thought this, he's dead. I don't want to fool with this man, he's dead. And if you don't understand, the old covenant was, was simply this, that if they, they touched this dead man, they would be considered unclean in their day. And so if they touch this man, they're unclean for seven days. They can't spend time with their family and their friends. But yet, because of their inwardness, because of their selfishness, they don't even go near the man to see if he's dead or alive. They never walk over and get close enough. I mean, you don't have to touch him. You could just look and see. Is he breathing? Is his stomach moving? Is he groaning? Is he making some noise? And yet, they don't even get close enough to the man to see if he's dead or alive. Their inwardness caused them just to walk on the other side and just to stay away from this man altogether. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., in his famous Last speech before he was murdered, the day before he was murdered, the speech that many have entitled, I've been to the mountaintop. In that speech, he talked about the priest and the Levite and the good Samaritan. And I quote from Dr. King. And so the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? What will happen to me? Dr. King continues, but then the Good Samaritan came by, and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? What will happen to him? And friends, if we don't stop and do something to help people, to help tear down the walls of racism, prejudice, and hate, what will happen to people in our city? What will happen to people in our state? What will happen to people in our nation? What will happen in people in our world if we just pretend like nothing's going on and we just decide to walk on the other side of the road? We must love. We must respond. I want to give you three lessons on love that Jesus teaches us from this story. Let me remind you that the entire story that I read to you so far is about love. That was the context of Jesus' response. The man responded, love God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. And he says, listen, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you got it right. You're going to experience life if you do that. 
The man said, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus responds back in the, in the context of love and what it looks like to love our neighbor and what that looks like. And then he tells the story, the priest of the Levite. And then he says, they walk on the other side of the road, but a Samaritan man shows up. And the Samaritan man goes over, touches the man, helps the man, bandages the man. He bandages up, bandages up his wounds and helps this man recover. And you have to understand, no doubt about it, Jesus is referring to a Jewish man. First of all, it's a Jewish context. He's talking to a Jewish crowd, and he's, he's saying, listen, expert, that this man is beaten half dead. He's thinking, okay, this Jewish man is there, and, and a Levite goes by. He's part of the Jewish heritage and culture. And then a, a, a priest goes by. He's a part of the Jewish culture and, and race, and he does nothing. And a Samaritan goes by, and Jesus knows when he says that, jaws are dropping. They're shocked. The expert in law is shocked. Why would a Samaritan man be kind to this Jew? Because Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. They actually despised each other. They were prejudiced against each other. And Jesus is saying that a Samaritan man, they don't even like the Jews, would stop and to help this Jewish man. And then Jesus teaches this expert in the law, and he teaches you and I today, some powerful lessons about loving our neighbor and who our neighbor is. And the first lesson that Jesus teaches us is simply this. We must love all people. We must love all people. As Christ followers, God's word makes it very clear that we must, must love people. Here's what the scripture teaches in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. It says, we love because he first loved us. People are always looking for a condition, a stipulation, or why they're going to love someone or why they're not going to love someone. And Jesus said that the word of God gives us a stipulation. Here's the only condition on why you should love someone, because God first loved us. Do I, do I love them? Why would I love them? Because God first loved us. He goes on to say in verse 20, whoever claims to love God. Friends, can I tell you that a lot of people claim to love God? A lot of people in our world make that claim, I love God. And I want you to notice the terminology in Scripture, claims. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Now, don't have an issue with me. I'm just teaching you what the Bible says. If you say you love God and you hate your brother or sister, you're a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, whether they're red, yellow, black, or white, the Bible says whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God. It's not possible. Cannot love God whom they have not seen. And verse 21 goes on to say, and he has given us this command, anyone, that includes you and me, anyone who loves God must, the optional, Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Friends, you can't love God and hate people. You can't love God and be a bigot or a racist. The Bible teaches us that to love people, we love them without condition. We love them without strings attached. The reason we love is because God first loved us. Matter of fact, Jesus gets radical if you read the Gospels. Jesus will mess with you. 
Because here's what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 44. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't write the Bible. I did not write the Bible. I just preach it. See, we say, well, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus said, let me take it a step further. Love you. You want to know who your neighbor is? You want to know who you're supposed to love? Love your enemies. Love your brothers and sisters. People's church is a church of love. We are all about love. Yes, I go on record to say we love you, whether you're red, yellow, black, or white. You are loved in this house. We love you. You're welcome. Everybody's welcome. Come on, we love you no matter your political affiliation. We love you whether you're Democrat, Republican, or Independent. We love you. We love you whether you're rich, middle class, or poor. We love you. You're welcome at People's Church. We love you whether you were born in America or born in another country. We love you. You are welcome. You say, Pastor, why would this church love people no matter what? We love based on one condition and one stipulation because he first loved us. He first loved us. 1 John chapter 1 and chapter 3, chapter 3 and verse 13 says this. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 13 says, do not be surprised. Let me just insert this. It's shocking how many people are surprised. People are surprised all the time. Christians are surprised. But the scripture teaches us, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Listen, the world is going to hate, 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 hate. Don't be surprised. Why are you surprised? <gasps> I can't believe what they did. I'm not surprised. The world is going to hate. Let me tell you what should be a surprise is when people claim to know God and they hate. That's the shock. I expect the world to hate and continue to hate. What's a shock is when people claim to know Jesus. And their hearts are filled with hate and hostility and rage. That's the surprise. Verse 14 says, we know that we have passed from death to life. What's the litmus test? How do we know if we have passed from death to life, if we're in Christ, if we've been regenerated, if we've been born again? How do we know if we have passed from death to life? Here's the litmus test, because we love each other. Anyone who does not love Remains in death. Well, preacher, I don't like what you're preaching. Take it up with the Bible. Goes on to say, anyone who hates a brother or sister, red, yellow, black, or white, is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them, in him. Verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to. Red, yellow, black, or white. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Our love for God, our, our faith in God will always move us to action. We must love people. A second lesson on love is this. We must heal from the past so we can love. Luke chapter 10 and verse 34 says, He, taught, referring to the Samaritan, went to him, the Jewish man, and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. 
Uh, we've already established that the Jews and the Samaritans had a nasty past. They hated each other. They both looked at each other as the inferior race. But something had happened in the good Samaritan's heart. He had experienced forgiveness in his own heart, and he was willing to go help this Jewish man. He was a part of the solution to help bring healing between the Samaritans and the Jews. Listen, he did not deny the past. He didn't deny the past pain, but he also didn't continue to perpetuate the problem. He bandaged his wounds and showed a man who was considered his enemy, love. And I submit to you today, none of us can change the past. There's no reason to deny the past. In our world and in our country, there have been many who have been wounded by racism and prejudice and hurt. Some of you personally have been deeply hurt and wounded by racism and hate. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you can recall just horrific memories of how you have been treated and how others were treated. We have a choice. We have a choice. We all have a choice on how we will respond to racism, prejudice, and hate. We can choose to fester and let hate rule or we can choose to forgive and let love win. We can choose. We can choose to fester, get bitter, get hostile, and let hate rule. Or we can choose to forgive and let love win. And when we forgive, we help bring a solution to the problem and not perpetuate the problem. We help to bridge the gap. We help to usher in healing and hope. And Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12 says, hatred stirs up conflict. Isn't that true? You just perpetuate. You just, hey, I'm going to hate. I'm going to hate them. And they did that. I'm going to hate. And hate just stirs up conflict. It just keeps it going. It just perpetuates the problem. Hate stirs up conflict. But love covers over all wrongs. And I would just say to you today, if you're hurting, if you're angry, if you're bitter, if you're hostile today, just like this Samaritan man did for this Jew, would you allow God to do for you? Would you allow him to take his oil and his wine and to pour it into your wounded heart and to bring healing, to bring restoration, to soften your heart that you can love people, all people again? Would you let the Holy Spirit work in your life today? Number three is this, a third lesson on love is we must love with action, love with action. The good Samaritan loved with action. The scripture says he went and he bandaged his wounds. He put him on his donkey. He took him to a hotel and he took care of him for one night. But that's not all he did. Here's what scripture goes on to say about the good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 and verse 35. It says, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Now, one denarius was one day's wages for a skilled laborer, and he gave him two. 
Two days' wages for a skilled laborer. In today's context, they would be around $150 for one denarii. It's a lot of money. And at that day, it was a huge amount of money. And he says, look after him, he said. And when I return, I'm going to return and check back on things. I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have, any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three, he asked, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, I don't really like it. <laughs> that the Jewish Levite just walked by and the Jewish priests walked by and one of our enemies, I don't really like the story you're painting, but Jesus, if I'm going to be honest with you, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him this, go and do likewise. Go and love people with action. Go and love people who are different than you. Go and bridge the gap. Go and be a part of the solution and don't continue to perpetuate the problem. Go and bring healing. Go and bring hope. And in 1996, in the state of Michigan, there was a teenage girl, 18 years old, you can find this story online. Her name is Keisha Thomas, and she had an experience with the Ku Klux Klan, the KKK. They had organized a rally in her city in Michigan, and the police were present at the rally, and they were dressed in riot gear and armed with tear gas. And there was a special fence erected. And on one side was the KKK rally, on the other side was a peaceful protest against the hate and the rally. And as they were peacefully protesting, some folks in the crowd noticed a white gentleman wearing a Confederate flag t-shirt and on his arm was tattooed a racist white supremacist. SS against other races and nationalities was on his arm. And so they looked and thought, this is one of the Klansmen. It has to be. And somebody actually yelled out on the megaphone, there's a Klansman in the crowd. And the man began to walk away from the crowd, and the crowd began to walk after him, and he began to run away. And the crowd began to run after him. There's, there's a picture of this back in 1996. He's running from the crowd, and the crowd is now pursuing this man and the crowd catches up to the man they, they throw him to the ground they begin to kick him and and beat him and hit him with sticks and Keisha Thomas this 18 year old girl she goes and she throws herself on top of the man to protect him from the beating that he was experiencing and we have a picture of that and she's protecting this man. And, and, and I want you to hear what Keisha Thomas said, what she says. She says, when people, this is a quote from Keisha, when people are in a crowd, they are more likely to do things they would never do as an individual. Someone had to step out of the pack and say, this isn't right. When they dropped him to the ground, it felt like two angels had lifted my body up and laid me down. She put herself at physical risk, the article says, to protect someone who, in my opinion, would not have done the same for her. And the man's response was this. He says, who does that in this world? And the article says this about Keisha. So what gave Thomas the strength to help a man whose views, it appeared, were so different from her own? 
her religious beliefs played a part. But her own experience of violence was a factor too. And here's a quote from Keisha. She says, I knew what it was like to hurt, to be hurt. She says, the many times that, I, that, 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 that happened, I wish someone would have stood up for me. And Keisha, a few months later, was in a coffee shop. And a young man walked up to her and just said these words, said, thank you. And Keisha said, for what? And she said, he said, that man was my dad. And I don't know all that young man was taught. I don't know what was poured into him about other races. But I know a young lady named Keisha didn't perpetuate the problem. She was tearing down walls. She was bringing hope and healing. And a young man who was growing up in a racist world, he came up to this black teenager and said, thank you. And here's what the article goes on to say about Keisha. Thomas says she tries to do something to break down racial stereotypes every day. No grand gestures. Keisha thinks that small, regular acts of kindness are more important. Quote from Keisha. She says, the biggest thing you can do is just be kind to another human being. It can come down to eye contact or a smile. It doesn't have to be a, a huge, monumental act. And here's all Keisha says. Love wins. Love wins. And Jesus said, you heard the story of what the Samaritan did to his enemy. Something took place in his heart. And let me tell you something, expert in the law. Go and do likewise. And I believe the Lord is saying to us, go and do likewise. Go build relationships with people that are different than you. Go eat at somebody's house that you would never go eat at because you think we're just too different. This week in our men's group, we have men's group men. I encourage you to get involved on Tuesday nights at all of our campuses. We have men's groups. And this week at one of our men's groups, there were two black, two white, and two Hispanic men there talking about race together. Honestly, in love, walls coming down. Being intentional, you can go start a group. You can go gather some friends, some co-workers, people in our church. You can come to Wednesday Night Connection on Wednesday nights and be intentional about go and do likewise. It could be a smile instead of a frown. It can be a kind word instead of saying nothing. Go and do likewise because love wins.